Uh, but we're going to dive straight into the word today. And so I want to ask you, have you ever been asked whether you believe in God or Christmas or if you believe in life after death? Now, my kids ask me questions all the time. And some of them are, where does God live? How do we know he's real? How come we can't see him? And why don't we celebrate Halloween? Because they just want to dress up. And we live in a world where people want to believe what they want. And these questions that we have can form our beliefs and our values. And did you know that 85% of people say they believe in God, but if you ask them to describe the God that they believe in, the answers would be as varied and different as the people that you've asked. And to be honest, some people change their beliefs more often than they change their underwear. Religion today is presented as some sort of a lifestyle option like keeping fit or gardening. Like an add-on similar to when you rock up to McDonald's, obviously not in level 4, and the worker asks you if you'd like to upgrade to a large combo. Or when the waiter asks you if you want to see the dessert menu. And the answer is always yes. Now it is treated as simply the spiritual dimension to some people's lives. If you are lacking fulfillment in your life, then you tack on some spirituality. And there is a vast array of things to choose from. Like chips and coke at a fast food joint, we can uh, add on whatever we like. We can change up the fillings in our burger. We live in an instant pick-and-choose culture. And the new age kind of religions out there are low in moral demands and they're filled with tolerance so that there's nothing ruled out. Everything is okay. Do what you want. There's no judgment here. Each to their own. Follow your truth. And they prefer to make God in our own image and now the things that define God are me and what I want it to be. Now, I can create a God as I would want him or her to be, and I can create my destiny because I have created a God that fits in my comfort zone, that fits in with my values and beliefs. So now we have a world that worships anything that suits them. And we have these mishmashes of different kinds of religions and different beliefs, and people have picked and chosen the, the different parts that they want to follow and disregarded or the other bits that don't sound so good. But we know what the Bible says. All things are lawful for me, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. What am I getting at, you might ask? Well, if you missed last week, we have just started a new series called The Ten. And it's based around the Ten Commandments. Today we're going to be looking into the Second Commandment. And if you can't remember what the second one is, it's in Exodus chapter 20 verse 4 that says, You shall not make for yourself an idol. Don't worry, when we were planning the series, we had to ask, well I had to ask Siri what order they were all in. Mainly so I could dodge speaking about the adultery one. Um, but go back and listen to the podcast if you missed last week's message. Uh, because what we do in series is we add a layer onto our journey and our learning each week. So if you missed last week's, then do make sure you go back and listen to it. 
Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of idols, I usually think of statues in foreign countries, yes? And so we can kind of skip over this commandment and disregard it because we don't have a golden calf statue in our garden, so we're all good. But idols don't have to be figures of gold and they don't even have to be things that we can touch or hold. But in fact, I would suggest that the most powerful idols exist only in the mind. So what is an idol? Well, idolatry is where something, anything, takes the place of God in the central position of your life. An idol is what people live for. Do You have probably heard the saying that there is a God-shaped void in your life. And a little bit cheesy as it sounds, it's true. Now there is a place in your life that is made for God. And this is why we can find people who are a bit lost, searching for something to fulfill them. And what we can try to do is, when we sense that void, is we try to fill it in with other stuff. We can try and fill the void with money, possessions, our career, holidays, sports, music, relationships. An idol is what we lie awake at night thinking about, what we buy magazines about, what we spend our time, money and energy on. Now idolatry happens when we hold any value, idea or activity higher than God, even if it's something good. The most dangerous and attractive idols are actually good things that have been twisted. Of all the things I listed above, not one of them is bad in its right context, as they are all good and a gift from God, but once twisted and used out of the context God designed them to be, they are dangerous and easily attractive to us. And the issue with trying to put these things in the place that is reserved for God is that they don't fit. They aren't the right shape. And so what we can tend to do is go around and try a whole bunch of other things to see if they will fit the emptiness we feel. Sometimes excluding the one piece that is perfectly made for us, and that's God. Enter the Tupperware toy. You may have seen memes about people who needed to play with this toy as they uh, pointlessly tried to fit very large objects into very small spaces. And I don't know if you've ever watched someone try and complete one of these, but I have. And there are a few pieces which are deceptively similar. I have seen lots of people get stuck on these two because they are so similar. But if you try to put this one in the place where this goes, it's not going to fit. Um, a simple example, but that can be us sometimes trying to fill the empty spaces in our lives with things that are clearly not made for that space. And there are things that are deceptively similar that seem really close to being able to fill that void. And we can get sucked into thinking that it will work to find that nothing quite fills that void. And that's because God can only fill that space in our lives. Now the other reason idols are attractive to people is because they can be kept at arm's length. And they don't make the moral demands on us that God does. And I think that at the root of all of it is the desire that we have to be in control. 
I would go as far as saying that we are all control freaks. Yeah, I said it. We are all control freaks. Now, idols offer the possibility to men and women of making their own controllable God. We talked about um, being able to pick and choose what we want. And we can try to create a God that we can deal with on our own terms. And we see it in Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 to 5. And this is when Moses went up the mountain to seek God. And the people felt so insecure without their leader, that Aaron, who was called to stand in the place and lead the people. He allowed them to persuade him to melt down their jewellery and create a golden calf like an inanimate object was going to help them and provide them leadership at the time. We have the benefit of hindsight and we might think that sounds silly, but how often do we turn to things like shopping or movies or social media when we're at a loss of what to do? When we just need to pick me up or to feel like we have things together? Now you might ask, well, why does that matter? Does it matter if football or fishing or a string of boyfriends are what is at the centre of our lives? Does God mind? Does God really mind if he's called Krishna or great light of the cosmos? Surely God doesn't mind if our hobbies and pursuits are at the core of our lives. After all, he made all those things. He made the fish in the sea and we can go out in a boat and catch them. Surely God can't be threatened by someone's love of gardening, fishing, or sports. But imagine if I opened up my husband's wallet and found a picture of another woman in there. Now I can tell you right now that I would not be happy. I have every right to insist that he keep himself from me because we have a covenant relationship called marriage and we both made a decision to pursue only each other. And we both strive to live up to that commitment. Because our relationship is the most important earthly thing we have, aside from our children. You know, the commandment, this commandment, is really about how we love God. A relationship for which the nearest parallel we have is marriage. In marriage, there is no room for a third person, despite what some people may think. Now, idols are the things that tempt us away from that relationship with God. They strike at the foundation we have with God by introducing someone or something else. And that's dangerous. And I say introducing because often we can have idols while still loving God. I know this is a strong message today, but it's all to our benefit to identify any idols in our lives that we may have let sneak in without us noticing, especially during lockdown, I would say. You know, we have all this spare time on our hands, more than um, we would normally have, and we can assess, I think it's useful for us to assess what we're using our time on. Are we using this time to build our relationship with God? Are we using the extra time to build our families, spend time with our children? Or are there sneaky little things uh, trying to sneak their way in and become idols in our lives? Those good things that become twisted or just take up a little too much of our time, a little too much of our energy, 
a little too much of our money. So I think it's useful in lockdown to assess these things and see uh, where there might be idols in our lives. They're not golden calves in our garden, but they can be sneaky little things. And having idols is dangerous, not because it's breaking a rule. You know, I see the commandments less as rules that we'll be punished for breaking, but they're God, God's preferred future for us. You know, it's dangerous to live outside of God's preferred future for us because that's the best plan for our lives. You may already be thinking of something that has become an idol in your life. And one danger we can have is when we realize that we have an idol is to just give up. You know, the overwhelming pressure is too much for us in a society where um, we're pushed to idolize power, sex, possessions, and where everybody else is doing these things. So we shrug our shoulders and give up because everyone else is doing it and we just carry on doing those things. Now the second danger we can have is to reject anything that even looks or smells like idolatry. And that is where we can swing to the other end of the pendulum. And we can become religious about these things. Now we may have previously been a drinker and we uh, decide not to drink anymore. But if we swing too far, we can become religious and thinking that something bad is going to happen if we have a sip of wine. Or we can become to f become feeling guilty and ashamed and weighed down if we have one glass of wine. Or we can expect other people to live up to those standards that we've set for ourselves. So what do we do if we've given up or if we've swung the pendulum too far in the other direction? Well, if you've given up, then get back up, dust yourself off and keep listening because God isn't finished with you yet. There's nothing that he can't redeem and forgive. And to put it this way, use my trusty little prop. See, this is a pendulum. You know, the pendulum can't swing if it's stuck in the ground. So we turn that pendulum into a flag. And I think that we should, as Christians, plant a flag for God in all these things. We may have mistakenly planted a flag in the wrong place, or it's not planted well enough and it's wavering and not solidly anchored in the ground. Now we are called to worship God in areas where idols are worshipped. You know, these good things that have become twisted and turned into idols. We are called to plant flags, to worship God in those areas, to restore those things back to the way that God intended them to be. You know, where spreading your legs is an idol, then planting a flag is choosing to save sex for within a marriage context and a marriage commitment. Sorry, Chris Hopkins. Now we are called to take ground and to make a stand and be strong in the Lord. And this area of idolatry can sneak into our lives and start claiming ground that is reserved for God alone. And so we have to be on our guard. So listen, we need to claim the good things that have been twisted. We need to plant a flag and claim them back for God. We need to proclaim that only under the love and grace of God can everything be held in the right balance and with the right perspective.
And the reason we need to plant those flags is because God doesn't want us to love him with some of our heart. He wants our whole heart. And the thing about a flag is it gives us something to aim for. You know, I recently started playing golf and if there was no flag to identify where the hole is, I can tell you my score would be so much worse. And the flag is where we aim. It shows us the right direction even if we're far away. It allows us to see where we need to get back on course and make adjustments. And it helps us to choose our approach. In golf, it helps you choose what club you use. And flags are so helpful for our journey with God. You know, the flag would be no use to me on the golf course if it was lying on the ground and I'm teeing off from hundreds of meters away. I would have no clue where I need to aim the ball. Flags need to be in the ground and they need to be visible. And not only for us, this isn't in my notes, but the flag can help other people to know where to aim for. The flag that we plant is not just for us, it's not just about us restoring those good things that have become twisted and restore them into the right um, context that God has designed them to be, but it's about showing other people the right way that God has called us to live with those things. It's showing other people where they aim for as well. So in what areas do we need to plant a flag? And how do we do that? Well, I am so glad you asked. Um, one area that we can plant a flag is in the environment. You know, God told man from the beginning to look after the earth, but we have actually damaged it. There are some species of animals that have become extinct. Um, the waste in the world is at an all-time high. We were called to have dominion over the earth, but things have become twisted into a worship of our environment. You know, words like Mother Earth, Gaia, and the universe have come into our language and creation starts to be worshipped. You know, the earth, the environment, and creation are meant to reflect glory of God and point us to him as our creator. So planting a flag in this area looks like giving God glory for his creation and doing our best to take care of it. Another area is sex. You know, erotic love continues to entice people with the promise of bliss and escape. You know, we'll talk about the dangers of this in one of the other commandments. But what I want to say here is plant a flag for God when it comes to sex. How God intended it to be. Sex is not evil. We're allowed to talk about it in church. It was created by God for us to enjoy in the bounds of marriage. You know, that's restoring it back to the context that God designed it to be in. Sex is a good thing that has been twisted and worshipped. Let's not taboo it. Planting a flag in this area looks like waiting till marriage. It's avoiding porn. It's committing to marriage and growing that covenant relationship. It's teaching our children the godly and biblical standards of sex and not relying on the government and the education system to, to teach our children about these things. Another area is the body. How do I look? Has become a question that haunts both sexes in this day and age. 
Now we are surrounded by pictures of what is considered the perfect physical body. We idolize people with the perfect figure. We start to sacrifice wealth, time and health and sanity to attain this kind of perfection. Now there are people suffering with eating disorders because they have taken what God made as good and they have distorted it to become the everything and the only thing that matters. Now God made us all in his image and we are all important to him no matter what we look like. Now we should take care of ourselves, yes, but let's not forget that these bodies are only for a period of time. You know, a mist like Pastor Craig illustrated a few weeks back. Planting a flag in this area looks like being more interested in our spiritual beauty, which is the only thing that is of eternal value. Possessions are another area. We will all have possessions, but we must hold them lightly. Now, when we do that, it means we're ready to let go and let God have control. We talked about being control freaks. And I feel that's definitely the case with possessions. Our natural tendency is to keep them for ourselves and to always want the next best thing. Anybody else? Now can you look around at all you have, your house, your car, your shoes, books and clothes and say, God, if you asked me, I could give that all up to follow you. If we can say that, then we're on the right track. And in the Bible, we see the story of the rich young ruler. He couldn't do that. And planting a flag in this area looks like giving things away, even good things, not just secondhand stuff that we don't want anymore. Nothing insults idols more than giving them away. And I think that we need to remember that the commandments were given for our benefit. You know, they are God's preferred future for us. They're not just a bunch of rules that we're going to get punished for breaking. And God is against idolatry, not just because it robs him of worship that is rightfully his, but because it's hurtful to us. Idolatry cheats and destroys those who practice it. And it steals from us the most precious thing that we can have. And that's a knowledge of the living God. Because idols lie. Idols get in the way of that relationship with God. Never expect for the briefest moment that idols will deliver on what they promise. Because they are dead and they are lifeless. Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 14 says, Every goldsmith is shamed by his idols. His images are a fraud. They have no breath in them. Idols enslave their followers and it builds in us a never-ending appetite. It's kind of like Pringles. You know, once you pop, you can't stop. Idols are like the salty, crispy goodness that we get sucked into. You know, once we get a taste of those chips, we keep going back for more and our appetite is never satisfied. It begins to have power over us because we lose self-control, I know I do, and Pringles have the power over us. Please tell me that I'm not the only one. You know, when we have things in our life that are taking all of our attention, that's idolatry, and it's taking the attention and worship that belongs to God. When that happens, those things begin to acquire power over us. And we may think that they serve us, but in fact it is totally the other way around. We serve them. 
In Psalm chapter 115 verses 3 to 8, it says, Our God is in the heavens and he does as he wishes. Their idols are merely things of silver and gold shaped by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, and eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, and noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, and feet but cannot walk, and throats but cannot make a sound. And those who make idols are just like them, as are all who trust in them. Idols are not real, they are not living, they are not lasting, and they are useless. God wants to be the centre of our lives. He wants us to restore those things that have become twisted back to the way that he designed them to be. St. Augustine said, You made us for yourself and our hearts find no peace until they rest in you. Do you have peace today? Or have you been trying to put the wrong pieces of the puzzle in the place that is reserved for God. Do you have peace? Does God have your whole heart and covenant relationship? Have you made a stand against idols or has your flag fallen over? The commandments are God's preferred plan for us, his preferred future for us. And when we follow him, we will be in his will and in his peace. Do you have peace today? God wants us to pray to him, not give him orders. He wants to be the picture in our wallet. He wants to be the flag that we're aiming for. He wants to be the Pringles that we just can't get enough of. We actually become like the things that we worship. And dead idols produce enslaved and dead followers. But the good news is that God is alive. He does hear, he does see, he feels, he speaks, and he does know. The Bible says that we are made in the image of God. Therefore, if we worship him, we become more like the people we were made to be. To worship God is to become liberated. To worship God is to become more like him. If we become like what we worship, then don't you want to worship God this morning? God wants to do something new in you today. He's not done with you yet. You may have had encounters in the past, but you don't have to rely on that encounter from years or even decades ago. He might not do things the same this time around, but he wants to take you from glory to glory and strength to strength more than any mere idol can do. Are you going from glory to glory and strength to strength or have you gotten stuck back then and not grown or pushed into God for a fresh new encounter? What I'm saying is that we are dealing with a God who is living, who is more real and alive than we can ever imagine, more than any idol on the face of the planet. We must allow God to be God, to do a new thing, to grow us and not treat him as a tame idol. We can't pick and choose parts to tack onto our spirituality. We must follow him with our whole hearts. The Bible is really clear that we need to keep ourselves away from idols. That's an action on our part. 
God isn't going to protect us from that. We have a moral responsibility, contrary to a lot of religions out there, that we must keep ourselves away from them. 1 John chapter 5, verse 21 says, Dear children, keep yourselves away from idols. And in another version, in the New Living Translation, it says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Who has your heart this morning? You know, what photos are in your wallet that could gradually be stealing you away from a relationship with God? What flags are you aiming for? What is occupying your time, your money, and your energy? Is it God or is it something else? There is only room for one Lord in your life. And his name is Jesus. So this morning, maybe you've identified some things that are good, but have become twisted or are out of alignment. The balance of those things in your life may be out of whack. I don't know about you, but I want to restore God to the center of my life. I want to make him the flag that I'm aiming for. I want to make his standards for every area of my life the, the flag that I've planted for myself to aim for, for my children to aim for, and for those around who can see these flags to aim for. And I don't know about you, but um, I want to rely on God. I want him to have my whole heart. And so this morning I'm going to pray and if you want to join